Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, hello to listeners of Teachers Talk Radio and welcome to your Sunday Brunch with me, Graham Collum. Pleasure to be on the airwaves with you today. We are talking about Ofsted. Particularly, I want to call it the Ofsted problem. I know that suggests I'm coming from an angle, but hear me out. Is it healthy? Is it workable? Could it be better? I want to hear from you. Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Indeed, if you are a UK teacher, you have a stake in this fight. And even if you are not a UK teacher, you probably have a lot to offer this conversation. Um, We are talking about Ofsted, who are the UK Regulatory Board of Educational Establishments. They are the people who visit us and judge us and say how well we're doing in the areas we need to improve, which on paper, that little summarization of Ofsted doesn't sound too bad. sounds like something that's pretty necessary and um, would be good to maintain good standards in the education sector. But somewhere along the way, it has, I, in my humbled opinion, um, Ofsted has descended into a kind of short, buzzwordy, quick judgment, uh, you know, terrifying presence which people get nervous about and people, you know, schools fall apart fall apart. Um, trying to accommodate the ideas behind Ofsted. And I think really somewhere along the line, the baby has been thrown out with the bathwater. The proverbial baby, no babies, thankfully, have been harmed in the production of this episode. Um, yes, indeed. You know, one one little article I stumbled upon this morning while having a little look around. Um, here's a headline for you. Spielman, Amanda Spielman is the head of Ofsted. She's the, the person at the top at the moment, the, the main foghorn for their ideas and, um, you know, figurehead for representing what they're, they're current thinking. She expects half of outstanding schools that are re-inspected to be downgraded. Now the exemption has gone and the proportion rated grade one um, to return to 2010 levels. First 120 reports due this week. So she's come out straight away and has said, all those outstanding schools probably gonna, gonna be rubbish now. <laughs> probably not gonna stand up against the, why like to not, have inspected those places but for that to be the mindset that it's threatening all right that's what i'm going to put out there i think that ofsted is becoming or has become or has been for a long time a threatening force so it's a stick to be to be beaten rather than a carrot to, to lead um and i think we want to get into that today i'd like to talk about solutions alternatives ideas for reviewing schools that would actually be far more positive and helpful and better for the world than and then a threatening, overwhelming, stressful, um, you know, body of judgment, which in a single word or two can determine the fate of staff and mental health and leaders and all sorts. Thank you very much for tuning in. Many listeners here with us right now. Um, we have listeners from Chile, from Essex. Hello, fellow Essex listener. I am in Romford. I hope you're doing well. I have a call straight away. This is rather immediate. It's Paula from Chile. Hello, Paula. Can you hear me? You are welcome to say hello. Hello, Paula. Are you there? You've gone. You hung up on me. 
brutal. Well, I can't say it's the first time it's happened in my life. Um, but it's good to be here. If you have not listened to Teachers Talk Radio before, um, it's an interactive teachers platform for talking about the current things on your mind in education and other things. I'm not, you know, I am one for talking about things outside of education. Um, thank you, Matt Ben David, for being in the room. Khalil's in the room. Tom Hopkins Burke is in the room. Freya O'Dell's in the room. Lisa Baumgartner is in the room. Thank you very much for all being here. Let me see if some of these comments are flying in thick and fast. Uh, Matt Ben David says some of um, of these outstanding schools haven't been offset in 15 years plus. You think they're still just because they were 15 years ago. I think they might be, Matt. I think they might be. Um, I don't think they definitely are. But I think to come out and assume that they're going to be worse or to assume that one thing or the other, to assume they're going to be better or worse, is just a bit unnecessary and threatening and why why not assume the the alternative why not go we look forward to seeing how the outstanding schools have developed in the last 15 years bosh you know why does it have to be i reckon i'm going to be downgrading a ton of these and then funnily the thing is in that um thread that i was reading from where amanda spielman said that about the downgrading of of outstanding schools um there was talk of leaders who aren't very good leaders um in people's opinions yeah, leaders who um, basically they would observe a lesson, say it wasn't very good, and then after their input, re-observe a lesson and go, it's brilliant now because that reflects well on them as leaders. Could it be that the same might be true of Ofsted, is that they want to downgrade some schools so that then they will re-review with a new program in a few years and go, wow, these schools have done amazing under our new framework. Um, it's a it's a theory. It's a theory. No, no evidence to back it up. Just a thought I thought was an interesting reflection about poor leadership. Um, and they are supposed to be leaders in a way, aren't they? Um, you know, there's so much to get into today. So let's let's kind of go steady, steady. We're only starting off the show today. But welcome if you're in already on this lovely Sunday morning, quite a lovely cold but bright Sunday morning here in Romford. Let's have a look. Tom says, is good the new outstanding under the new framework? Well, you know, here's an interesting other fact I found in my research was it was originally going to, well, I say originally, a period of time ago, they were going to go with just a pass or fail system rather than all the different terms, just a pass or fail. Apparently, it was the the a review from parents that suggested parents would it'd be more helpful for parents to have the different terms. Outstanding, requires improvement, blah, 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 blah. Let's have a little look. Khalil says, butt dial. Yes, I think I was butt dialed by um, Paula. Matt says, does that not add more pressure? I don't, you know, the, the thing is at the moment, the nature of Ofsted is going to be pressure anyway. I think that we have to really look at the role of Ofsted and what we want from Ofsted um, when we want to address the idea of the pressure that is added. I do not believe it has to be as high pressure as it is now. My current experience um, in, in my school environment is very off, thick in Ofsted, which is really why I'm doing the show today. It's kind of overwhelmed my current placement, I would say. And, uh, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a first-hand experience of the effects of Ofsted fear when perhaps it's not you know, when perhaps people don't feel secure in what they're doing. Um, and I'll get to that in a little moment. Let's have a little look at some of these comments. Alison G says morning, or they say Alison G morning. Are you saying hi to Alison G? Looks like you are Alison G. Who knows? Um, Ashish says, I'm Ashish from India. Good to have you in the room. <laughs> Matt says me and my conspiracies. Yes, we have discussed this at some length before. I will lean away from those gladly. We don't need to talk about conspiracies in here. Uh, we've done that well enough, haven't we? 
and Catherine says, having experienced both Ofsted and independent school inspections, I would say there is a clear difference. ISI, that's independent school inspections, are carried out rigorously, but with a much greater sense of shared professional goals without the fear factor. Thank you for that comment, Catherine. I think that's a really interesting and important difference. And this is the thing. Now, I can only compare my own experience of leadership to, you know, good and bad leadership and compare that to an idea of good and bad Ofsted leadership. And weirdly, I think a lot of it checks out. I think a lot of it checks out. Um, I think when we talk about, you know, say if you have a, a lesson observation that, as a very easy example that probably lots of us have experience of it and, you know, certainly has the the likelihood to have the same fear factor, the idea of being judged in a single term or two, a long time of, of energy and preparation and work being summarized in an hour's work, being summarized in a short, much shorter period of time. A lesson observation. Now, if you observe a lesson of mine and it's not a great observation, there's two possible outcomes of that, right? If I'm not on my A game, one outcome with my decent leaders, the one who I really respect and enjoy working under and they help me develop professionally. When I come out of that Duff observation, I know where I went wrong. I know how to improve. I have, I feel well understood and supported. And I don't feel worse about myself as a human being or a teacher. Now that's happened many times, okay? I, I, you know, I'm one for being nervous in observations, if I'm honest. I'm not so bad now, but I certainly was in my earlier years. I'm a 10 year teacher now. And in the last couple of years, of course, with COVID, there haven't been a ton of observations, but certainly in the first five, generally I'd be a nervous wreck. But then through good leadership, through good examples, I came to understand obs observation were just a means to assist me, to help me develop. And that's right. And the same way Ofsted should be a means to help us identify our goals, develop and become better. And that goes for all schools. But what it's what poor leaders will do with observations is they use it as a stick to beat you with and they they use it to drag you down. Your mental health will be hit. You won't necessarily know how to improve, but you'll certainly know you're not good enough. And all of those things fall out. And uh, I would argue sometimes that is the problem with the thing is, the reality of Ofsted is also different to the idea of Ofsted. And that's something else to pick apart and talk about today. Um, Ofsted as a body can seem very threatening. And, and as a with Amanda Spielman at the figurehead and in the news, they can seem as one thing. However, the experience of Ofsted on the ground in the building with you can often be quite positive if it's led by inspectors who have common goals, who want to help you develop your school and so forth. There's a ton to get into. Um, we'll carry on with this in more. Let's check some of these comments. Matt Ben David says, maybe we should all just ignore Ofsted. Matt, you are saying exactly what I've been thinking. I, I think that's exactly the right thing. I think true, ignore Ofsted. I think the ideal version of Ofsted is one we wouldn't get a call ahead of time. They would simply turn up of a morning, staff would not be alerted to them being there, and they would experience a regular two, three days in a school without any adjustment, without any adjustment whatsoever. Um, yes, they'd be allowed free reign to hop into classes. They'd be allowed free reign to talk to pupils and and, par and um, parents and teachers and whoever. Um, but I think, honestly, that, that if we didn't have the... Because the thing is, whenever there's a window between the call and them arriving, there's a work... The idea is in that window, you flip everything around and change everything, make it the best you can, um, and you basically pretend. And I, I don't think we should be pretending for Ofsted. I think that's one of the biggest problems. Maybe that's on us as teachers. Maybe it's on the Ofsted aura and the reputation they built for themselves. I don't know. I don't know if I care. But I do think 
the that gap of time where everybody stays in super late and has breakdowns and doesn't sleep, it doesn't help. I think Ofsted want to see the reality of schools. I think they need to come into schools as they are. Maybe they need to lower their expectations to a more realistic grade. That's not lower expectations as a, as a negative buzzword. But, um, you know, they need to lower their expectations to a realistic understanding of what schools are in the UK in this day and age. Good, good schools, outstanding schools, whatever. I have other thoughts on the grading systems. Um, Matt Ben David goes on to say, all stop worrying about the grades. I totally agree with that as well. Parents don't care anymore. It's true. For me, good and outstanding are pretty interchangeable because you know that judgment has been made on a couple of days in a school and things can flip around very quickly and easily. Schools do a lot of nonsense, Matt goes on to say, in the name of Ofsted, don't I know it? Even if that's not what Ofsted want, this is true. And the question has to be asked, although I don't have answers for this one, the question has to be asked, is it the schools beating themselves down in fear or is it caused by Ofsted? And that's a hard one to answer. I wonder what your thoughts are. Listen, you are listening to Teachers Talk Radio. And when I talk about what your thoughts are, when I ask what your thoughts are, the point of me asking that is because this is interactive. This is a live and interactive show. You can call in at any point and drop your thoughts on the air. And I would love to hear from you. Um, it certainly makes for a bit of variation to my voice going on the whole time. You can drop comments as many, many people have. And um, thank you, Ashish, Sobia, Catherine, the 30-year-old teacher, um, and many others who've been dropping comments already on the start of this wonderful Sunday brunch episode where we are talking about the Ofsted problem and the way schools are currently suffering, um, why they're suffering, if you have survival tips, if you have advice or mindsets to promote, or perhaps solutions to the problems. I have a few solutions, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to run those through to you guys as the show goes on. Let's see some of these comments. Ashish says, the fact is that political scenario may also be a deciding factor in determining a teacher's growth. I'd need elaboration on that one, Ashish. You can't just say that and leave the comment. Um, what do you mean? How does political scenarios affect um, how a teacher grows? Of course, there's the COVID factor, which again, you know, Ofsted seem to just be ignoring, in my humble opinion. I'm going to come back to that as well. Um, the fact that they seem to be looking for schools to just be you know their process is pretty much treating schools as normal but schools are not normal and we know schools are not normal no one's under any illusions we all know we're we're in the fallout from all the time out kids are you know we're trying to make up the difference trying to identify goals a lot more than we used to we're trying to identify the missing areas of learning um i know we don't like talking about lost learning but certainly we're trying to plug the gaps whatever you want to say um and so Ofsted should be aware of that. You know, they should be aware that this is not standard school functioning right now. Sobi says, good schools don't need to prepare for Ofsted. I totally agree. Good school improvement is continuous. Catherine said, I, I agree with that totally, Sobia. Catherine says, last year when I was a head teacher, during the disruption of COVID, a few parents threatened complaining to Ofsted. Wow. When they were dissatisfied with some manners. That's the other thing is like complaining to Ofsted shouldn't really be a threat. It should just be a process. You know, you're not happy with something, let Ofsted know. They will run it through their systems. They might come and check in with us. This should be a, a system to assist schools and assist people in schools. But for some reason, it's becoming, it becomes a threat, doesn't it? And we respond in kind, unfortunately. When we are threatened with Ofsted, we feel threatened and we panic and we go, oh, please don't. We shouldn't. It should be, please go ahead. That is the system for logging complaints and helping us to improve. You know, speak to our manager. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you're not happy speaking to the head, on you go. 
And when the government told parents, Catherine is going on to say, when the government told parents to report schools to Ofsted, I also did get a few parents who made a point of contacting Ofsted to say what a good job the school was doing. So the perception of Ofsted is shaped by the political messages. Yep. Um, but Ofsted itself takes itself very politically as well. It's going to be this question of responsibility, as is often the case on my shows when we talk about these tricky areas and how to improve and where the problems come from. Often we end up asking, is it on us? Or is it on somebody else? Is it on government? Is it on Ofsted? Who controls this kind of this system of panic and reaction and all the rest? The 30 year old teacher says Ofsted know what the issues in education are. They put on a show like we get asked to. <sighs> yeah, that, that, that putting on a show is my big problem. And actually the instigator of this theme on my Sunday brunch show today, um, the instigator is really because of the dance that people do to respond to Ofsted. When the, when learning goes out the window in favor of what Ofsted want, that's the problem. And that's what happens in many schools, in good schools too, in outstanding schools. Um, it only takes, you know, things can change rapidly and it only takes somebody to have their confidence knocked or some document to come out that's got some, a bunch of new goals on it for somebody who thinks they're doing well and was confident to suddenly panic and start reacting and, you know, create a reactive environment in a school rather than a productive, focused on learners, impactful environment in a school. Um, loads of comments flying around. Loving the interaction today, guys. Sobia says leadership fear. Sorry if I'm getting to these comments, you know, minutes after they were said. Leadership fear. That's the thing. That, but leaders are leaders. The reason they're leaders is that they're supposed to have those balanced heads in times of fear. They're supposed to be able to look you know look at each situation objectively and not panic like the rest of us might right us vulnerable types um let's have a little look um freya says wonderful freya says intent is good yeah i agree the the, the offset in, intent and lots of inspectors are good strong framework implementation and process seems too rigid and inflexible also the question needs to be asked whether it actually is too rigid and inflexible or whether the reality of it, the inspectors, do they have more understanding than we appreciate? Would they actually listen? And, um, and you know, do they understand school's context? And it's just the writing is a bit more threatening and a bit rigid, but actually the reality isn't. I lately, the, the things I've read of people's recent experiences with Ofsted seem to be that they seem to be becoming more rigid and inflexible again. But, you know, this is all subjective. These are individuals saying their experience and, you know, what one person says, what, you know, this is a world of opinions flying around like, like things that fly around a lot. Dust. Um, 30 year old teacher, education is a business quote from a parent. Schools are being run like a business. Well, arguably education is not a business. However, it seems to be becoming more like a business with academies and, you know, private schools, you would argue are a business. Um, you know, public schools, you might argue are a business, but state schools are supposed to not be a business. However, you're right that the budget becomes more and more a priority and becomes more and more of an issue. And I guess when the budget is such an issue, then maybe it is a business, even though it shouldn't be. As she says, good school comes with tons of money. Ofsted is needed, but that should be impartial. There's tons of comments, all different things coming in, hard to keep up. Parents don't care about Ofsted grades comments from from parents. Um, Catherine liked the show. Thank you, Catherine. Seema shared the show. Thank you, Seema. What schools think Ofsted wants? Star. Yes, that this is the big debate, isn't it, Matt? Um, the big debate is 
what Ofsted actually want versus what we think they want. And perhaps even schools, when they panic and they start changing all their standards because they want to please Ofsted, are doing not what Ofsted want. I think the intention of Ofsted is to be a reviewing body and a, they want the best for kids. They want good learning. They want good teachers. They want good schools. But the systems that they have developed to get those in place, I think are counter to the goal. Right, you know what? I If I keep on reading through comments, I'm never going to get through any of the things we want to talk about today. Um, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio's Graham Column on the Sunday Brunch. We are talking about the Ofsted problem. Um, loads of aspects of it. So I'm, I'd love to hear of your experience if you've had recent Ofsted, not, not ancient history Ofsted. I really want to hear how they currently are, um, especially post-COVID, because they seem to be everywhere right now. I don't think I'm the only one who seems to find Ofsted everywhere. Um, it seems like some people are theorizing maybe they have have a bunch of new, new inspectors, or I guess after the COVID period, maybe they have a bunch who haven't kind of been used for a while, and so they're rolling them all out. But certainly for us, we feel like Ofsted is around. The leaders are panicking about Ofsted are going to be in soon. And so for some reason, even though I'm in a school which confident leaders, we've had a great track record. We've done, you know, all the, the rhetoric over the last 10 years I've been in that school, generally, not for the whole 10 years, of course, but generally it's been we, you know, we do what's right by the kids. We do what's best for learning. So don't worry about Ofsted. We just continue to do what we're doing and they can come in tomorrow and they would see it's a good school. That's how it has been. However, lately things are changing and there seems to be this element of Ofsted want this. And so you guys do that, even though it doesn't make a difference to kids learning, even though it doesn't, it's not highly impactful improvements and it's a massive extra workload on the teachers the changes are being put in place for for the sake of Ofsted, the big O, it gets referred to in staff meetings, um, which, you know, I could do with less of that. I don't, I'm not motivated by Ofsted, nor should I be. I don't think any good teacher should be motivated by an, by an overhead examining body, you know, who are going to check how we're doing. We should be motivated by learning, by the kids and by doing well in the school environment. Um, and Ofsted should recognize that. We should be able to trust in Ofsted to recognize that. And if we don't, then there should be systems in place, I guess, to address that. Let's see a few comments from the 30-year-old teacher. Even parents are aware of the political takeover with introducing mass academization. This is the feedback from parents and children. So if they recognize this, where do we go moving forward? The main focus should be mental health and well-being. Tom Rogers liked the show. Thank you. Freya has also liked the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, so people currently let's talk about let's kind of break this down into a few steps because i have a bunch of kind of movements in the show today and i want to make sure we move elegantly through them like a swan through a lake on a sunday morning um people act up to ofsted and they want to perform um schools change under the pressure of ofsted for the worse and that's counter to the point of ofsted right so the first question that i ask you is is that on the schools or is it on ofsted who creates the spectre of, off, of Ofsted? Do we create it in our minds or have they created that environment themselves? Tom Rogers, you're in the room. It's good to have you. Buddy, my buddy, my pal. Um, I know you have strong opinions on Ofsted. You can feel free to call in and, and let us know, you know, succinctly, because I know you could probably write about seven books on your feelings about Ofsted. Um, I would love to know. I'd love to know what you think about it. Um, why isn't it more understandable and chilled? That's a question I want to ask. For me, I know this might sound ridiculous. It might sound over the top. But for me, there's a version of Ofsted where they just like pop in, check how things are, a few little chats, pop out. They might not be called Ofsted if they're like that. It might be a whole different version of the world we're in. But why isn't it? Why aren't they working towards the same goal as we are? I might fast forward at this point. 
Tom Rogers says, abolish. Is that succinct enough? Well, there's not seven books worth. I'll tell you that, Tom. It's not the seven books I was expecting. But Tom, the thing is, I'm going to pick you up on this one because I know your view is abolish. But it can't just be get rid of all checks on schools, can it? So let's say abolish Ofsted, get rid of the term Ofsted. But what's your alternative? How do we check schools are okay? How, we can't just leave them to it and go, oh, teachers are generally good people. It'll be fine. You need to have some kind of proactive alternative. I have some lined up for you, by the way. Um, I might skip forward to that, by the way, because I, I, I like my alternative. Here's my idea, right? I'll set up my shop, start the show. We're only 25 minutes in. I'm going to set out my shop with my alternative to Ofsted, all right? First thing to get rid of is the terms. Outstanding, good, requires improvement. Nonsense. Let's reflect this on our classrooms. So I go into my writing or lessons or my math lessons, and I say to one kid, you're outstanding. You require improvement. It's public. They can all know about it. They, they're all allowed to know. You're outstanding, mate. Great job. You're good. Sure. You're all right. We want to the next one. You require improvement. Uh, sort it out. This one's outstanding, though. You know, could you imagine the effect on kids if that was the way things were done, if they were measured in that way and made to feel that that label defines them. You're outstanding. Hey, you can chill out. I'm, I have no goals for you. You're outstanding. I'm just going to leave you for a few years. Uh, let's move on to the next one. You you require improvement. What, what are the other terms they have? There's, there's the one below requires improvement, which is like inadequate, isn't it? You're inadequate. <laughs> Sorry, pal. I know you're 10 years old, but you're inadequate. Get out. It would not be right to use those terms. So why is it in the bigger picture? Here's how Offset, hey, here's how my writing lessons or my math lessons or whatever lessons go. You seem to be pretty confident with your writing. You need to improve in this way. You, you know, are less confident and, you know, you have trouble identifying where to do full stops and how to do your handwriting. So here's some goals for you. Every single child in my class has goals in their writing. I'm in a top set math class in year six. There's some confident mathematicians. Every single one of them has goals. So why isn't Ofsted like that? Why do they use these pointless short terms, which the only purpose of them is to, you know, I know it's to simplify for parents or whatever, but on the schools, the only thing they do is make us feel rubbish or make us feel better than others. It's all unhealthy, totally anti like growth mindset or whatever, you know, fill your boots with whatever kind of learning aid you want. But it's awful for mental health, for how we view ourselves, for how we communicate with other schools. Those labels are not helpful. So why not give my school goals relevant to my school, then go visit another school and give them schools relevant to them. And you know what? If you can summarize them at the start of a report, the top four goals for this school, and every school is going to have four goals. But if you will go to one school and the top goal is going to be needs to establish consistency in their lessons and another school is needs to, you know, increase communication with parents or something. Well, you can judge for yourselves about wh whether you think that's a good school, or whether you think it's a bad school. But why not give a set of goals to all schools? Why have this? Simplification is not a helpful thing in situations like this. To so simplify, like Tom's abolish, you know, to say outstanding, right? And you know, we all do it when we're looking to move house. I'm currently looking to move house. And you look at these schools in the area, and you go, outstanding, right? Great, I'll, I'll move there. <laughs> you read a single word and that's enough to go, brilliant, that's wonderful. Or you read requires improvement, you go, well, you know, maybe we should look at a different area. You know, it's madness that we summarize schools in such short things when schools are so complex and we all know they've been running for years upon years upon years. 
Let's have a little look. Um, some comments, Matt Ben David, what grade am I teaching? I'm teaching grade six. So you're talking 11 year olds, 10, 11 year olds is who I teach. And like I say, all kids have goals, but I imagine that's the case in all grades, right? All kids have goals in their learning. They should. I have goals in all areas of my life. There's no area in my life where I go, I'm brilliant. I've got it. I'm perfect. Do you know what I mean? So why no area of my life where I go, I'm outstanding. And I then take a day off. Do you know what I mean? We all have goals. So my suggestion for those to put it out there to you guys, and please let me know what you think. Call in with your own opinions. My suggestion is we get rid of the silly single terms to label schools and just beat people over the head and oversimplify very complex things. And instead, give every school goals related to their context. And parents and teachers and all that can judge a school based on their top four or top five goals right? The, the biggest priorities that Ofsted have deemed relevant for that school. But any, you know, to say outstanding and to go away without clear goals is nonsense. Um, I know schools can be outstanding and still have goals, but I mean, just get rid of the term because I just think it's completely unhelpful. Um, Sobe says it's part of a much larger system. Yes, that's very true. There's the political element to who, why are they doing certain things? The, what motivates them? to downgrade schools or upgrade schools. Matt says they do have that in reports. You just have to read it. Yes, Matt, I'm aware of that. I'm aware they have the detailed goals in reports, but no one reads that though, do they? Not a lot of people don't read them. And far, far more people read the word outstanding or good or requires improvement or inadequate. And that's the issue. All right. It's not that they don't have goals for schools, but it gets blurred amongst all paragraphs. And they know that they know it gets blurred amongst paragraphs. And most people aren't going to have the energy to read through those. Um, Sobia worked in outstanding schools, not outstanding on a day to day basis. Yeah, it, it's just like rubbish observations. It's just about acting up and performing for someone for a couple of days. And if you're good at you know knowing what they want to see, then you're going to get your good grades. And that's that should not be what we do for any of our time. Never mind two days, three days, whatever. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of mental health. It's a waste of time. So I say out with um, these silly terms that are completely pointless, and instead just get to know. You know, maybe spend more time researching your school and looking into the situation, the data of the school. Um, not, you know, observing lessons is all good, but we know our own flaws as teachers. I said myself, I'm a nervous um, teacher when observed, and that's okay. You know, I don't think that makes me a bad teacher, but it's one of those things I know it's not in my great skill set. Um, oh, Matt said not what he meant about grades. Sorry, I missed that. Don't know what that was. Um, so anyway, what do you think about my idea of getting rid of the terms and instead just having a set of kind of four key goals for each school? Every school is four key goals and that's it. Um, and that's where you get your kind of, that's the headlines. Your offset headlines are, the, are that. Um, for me, that would be refreshing and might also um, take away from this whole labeling process, which just seems so unhealthy. I don't, I'm in an outstanding school at the moment. I don't want to, to label it outstanding because that's a threat in itself. That's constantly hanging over us. Oh, what if we lose the term outstanding? We've had it for however many years, 20, 40, 50 years, I don't know. But it's just hanging over our head. And so none of the outcomes are good. As soon as you get outstanding, you get worried about losing outstanding. Yeah, at least maybe you get to keep it for a year comfortably and you all pretend you're confident and you don't act up to Ofsted for a year. And then you go, but what if they come next year? Oh, I better start doing this. So let me just talk a little bit about my current experience of where, you know, my current outstanding school and the changes it's going through a little bit. 
Um, Sobius says, good idea. Schools should be collaborating, not competing. A hundred percent. Schools should be collaborating and not competing. Um, we should be able to sit and, you know, there should be a community of schools where we're all, you know, looking at our local context and thinking about what we do well and sharing the things we, we, you know, the systems that we do well and things that, that are outdated and we shouldn't be doing, we can learn from. But I'm finding the schools to be more and more insulated. Maybe it's just my community and where I am, you know, I'm local to Romford. It might be that this is more of an insular place than others. Maybe there are other areas where schools are better at communicating. I know there are some where there are networks of schools and not necessarily just academies, but schools that are more open. Um, so let me talk about my current context of, of a school that I'm in. It's outstanding. And um, I've been there for 10 years, more than 10 years. Loved it all the time. We've always been um, pretty confident of our outstanding role. And in staff meetings and in talk amongst staff and with the head, there's always been a good energy to we do stuff for the be for the benefit of kids and learning. That's been the, the ethos. And um, we, you know, I've always felt that my mental health has been looked out for. At the end of staff meetings, my head will say, right, everybody get yourselves home. And I always felt like that was pretty genuine. I was allowed to get myself home and school, you know, stress can wait. Um, let me see, Khalil's dropped a big comment here. I'm going to get to in a moment. Um, so I was, so, you know, and that, I've been happy with that. However, there's then been the COVID period. And obviously during that period, most head teachers, most people, most leaders in schools have been spun right they've been totally knocked in a million different directions their job role has been increased even more it was already a ridiculous you know number of job roles on head teachers but it was spun and spun and i don't know if it's because of current ofsted movements or if it's because after covid there's like an extra like a manic energy in in leaders across the country you know where you kind of think, right, I've been doing all this stuff for the last two years. I've been doing all these changes, all this stuff. I'm used to changing everything really quickly. And whether that now that COVID is kind of not becoming so present in schools, I know it is. And I know lots of kids are still off with COVID and it's annoying and numbers are not as low as we'd like them to be. But to simplify, um, to say that COVID is receding, it's like that manic energy from the COVID period is now being poured into all these other areas. And the messages I'm seeing a lot around the place are, get this done, get this done. Total lack of understanding of the job on the ground, boots on the ground, completely the challenges we face and the workload that's on our shoulders um, is doesn't seem to be relevant anymore. And, you know, maths has completely changed in the last year. English, we've just, you know, found out that's going to have a whole bit changed to it as well. And then on top of that, subject leaders have just had a, you know, a, a, a meeting and they've all been told offset, offset, offset. Um, you've got to do all this for all your subjects and you've got to know it all because if there's a, you know, and those when people say get yourself home after a staff meeting, it no longer rings true. It no longer does mean actually get yourself home. It means, you know, it because I can't get myself home because it's not viable to get myself home because I've got a stack of work in my room. I've got a stack of meetings coming up and I've got a stack of forms that I used, used to be managed by different people in school, but now they've been delegated down to me. And those mental health notes about get yourself home, look at yourself, don't worry about that. They no longer hold any weight. They're just phrases that are empty. And, uh, you know, it's an issue, but it all comes back to the regular, all these changes have happened they, they're in parallel to an increasing presence of the term, the big O, right? More and more that, that since September term this year, it's been mentioned a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And now there's this element of, you know, the, the big O is motivating everything we do in our school. And none of it is based on impact on kids. All, these all this extra work that I'm seeing all my friends, colleagues, people I know around the borough, 
um, doing all this extra work and not, you know, and it's not about impact on kids. None of it's making a difference to the quality of stuff in the classroom. If anything, it's taken away from the quality of teaching in the classroom because teachers are more stressed and they don't have time to prepare their lessons as much because they're too busy filling out forms and ticking boxes. That term ticking boxes has come up more and more in the last term. It's a worry. Right, we are half an hour into this ranty Sunday brunch. Listen, I'm going to be begging you guys to call in after this little moment because I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your experiences, your tips, your opinions on all the things we're talking about. It's a big topic. It's a tricky topic. But um, I would love to hear more from you guys. Khalil, I'm going to come back to your comment once we're through the news and the ads and, uh, and then we'll continue deep diving into this should i use that term deep diving i hate the language as well we're going to talk about that in a moment the language that we're forced to use let's do the news let's do the adverts and then we're going to come back to it all right um here we are sunday brunch weekend news from teachers talk radio back in a mo this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news In a Teachers Talk Radio News special, we focus on reporting the Guardian newspaper where two Ofsted inspectors voice their fears for vulnerable children being educated in unregulated facilities. According to a report in the Guardian newspaper, some vulnerable children, excluded from mainstream schooling, are being educated in unregulated and illegal schools, some based in caravans on farmland and on industrial estates and business parks. Ofsted inspectors have reported to The Guardian in an attempt to lift the lid on a murky world. Victor Shafii and Sue Will, who focus on unregistered and illegal schools, brought to the inspectorate's attention through referrals from a worried parent or local authority, say alternative provision for children who cannot be accommodated in mainstream education is complex and growing. For most children who are struggling in mainstream schools, there are high-quality state-funded pupil referral units and good independent alternative provision, which is registered and monitored by Ofsted, and these can offer a good short-term fix. But because of a shortage of places in this provision, there is also a growing unregistered sector, which is what concerns Ofsted. If an AP offers part-time provision, it is not required to register and so will not be inspected by Ofsted. It only becomes illegal if it is not registered and is offering full-time or almost full-time education. The report considers that the landscape becomes even murkier when children who have been excluded are referred to oversubscribed pupil referral units. They may then be subcontracted to an unregistered setting. And it can mean that troubled and challenging children, some of whom the report states are as young as five, are being sent to schools in unsuitable accommodation with unqualified staff and may be receiving little in the way of education. Shafi, Ofsted's Deputy Director of Unregistered and Independent Schools, states, The big question for me is, what's happened out there? Have children suddenly become worse behaved? What is it that's fundamentally changed that means more children are going to APs and primary kids are increasingly going to APs? Because this area is so obscure, we just don't know. Sue Will is one of a small team of Ofsted inspectors who since 2016 have been going out to unregistered and illegal settings across the country. I've been to settings in caravans on farmland, we've been to grubby halls, another favourite is on industrial estates, she said. We've started to identify more primary children at these settings in the last 18 months, but that's not to say they weren't there before. We're really working in the dark here. There's no regulation, there's no requirement for paperwork, 
It really is the unknown. In a follow-up opinion piece by Amanda Spielman, those most likely to be harmed are being sent to places with the least oversight. It's vital all alternative provision is registered, she says. Every child, regardless of their background, deserves a good education and the chance to reach their full potential. But some children, often the most vulnerable, just don't get that chance. She goes on to state that whilst the government does not collect specific data, it seems a likely estimate, based on the Department for Education's own statistics for England, that the number of children in alternative provision has risen by 14% over the last four years to more than 45,000. And with the detrimental impact that COVID and lockdown have had on many young people, she feels that we may well see a further rise this year. In light of the increase in the data, Amanda Spielman states that she's commissioned new research to better understand the role that alternative provision plays in the education system and to find out why primary age pupils, some as young as five, are being referred to alternative provision in the first place. She acknowledges that the scale and diversity in the sector means oversight arrangements can be complicated and that the quality of education can vary greatly. The article goes on to point out that the law says that if an AP provider operates full-time, it must be registered with the Department for Education and be inspected by Ofsted. Otherwise, it is an illegal school. But acknowledges that unregistered provision gets no comparable, consistent scrutiny. And for the past 10 years, the Ofsted has been calling for mandatory registration of all alternative provision, no matter how many hours they are open or how many children attend. She believes that without this, there is little assurance that their pupils are getting a good full-time education. Finally, the article goes on to acknowledge that no child deserves to be left to languish and fail, that schools need consistently good alternative provision that helps re-engage these children in education. Spielman concludes with the comment that children deserve no less. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. We are thinking about the Ofsted problem today. Why isn't it fit for purpose? Have you had recent Ofsted experience? Do you have mindsets to promote when experiencing Ofsted? Tips for survival? Do you think it's something to be enjoyed, like showing off a new car or pet? Do you have ideas for alternatives to Ofsted? Should we ignore them? Should we comply for the greater good? We are live from London. This is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. It's true, Teachers Talk Radio can be found all over the shop. We're on Instagram, 
We're on Twitter. I think we're on Facebook. We're all over the place. We're here on Podbean. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Get it listened to, people. Get it listened to. This is certainly more of a ranty episode than my usual, but I guess it's more serious. There's more to be said when we're talking about Ofsted, and it's a highly emotional area because we all have pretty strong views on it. Let me start with Khalil's comment. I love this, Khalil. Thanks for sharing. As a previously non-SLT member of staff, Ofsted never fazed me at all. I refuse to change anything prior or during. I am hoping I'm going to be just like you on that one, Khalil. Am I, that's always been my mindset throughout my teaching up to this point. Um, previously in Ofsted inspections, I tried to do that, but it was early in my days as a teacher and I certainly nerved out and panicked um, during that time. But I, I, I totally agree. We should not be changing it for them. We should be saying, this is us. This is our place. You want to see our place? Let me know how we can be better. Um, and that's your job. Great. And their opinion on me personally for that sh- snapshot didn't bother me, Khalil says. But I think that this will change when they audit the safeguarding I oversee. And that that is the thing, isn't it? The more responsibility we have, I guess, the more conscious we become of their presence. But I, I support your original mindset. I think that's exactly the right mindset, Khalil. And I think that that's what should be promoted by Ofsted. You know, they should not be wanting us to act up to them. They should be saying, just chill. We are coming in. We just want to see what's there. That's our job. We want to give you tips to improve. Everyone needs to improve. Imagine if we practiced what we preach, right? How many times in your lessons do you say to children, criticism is good as it helps you improve? How much do you talk to your children about failing? We have to fail in order to pick ourselves up. No one's perfect. We must be open to guidance. That for me, that's my class day in, day out, day in, day out. But when Ofsted come knocking, we all lose our minds. What if we fail? What if we're not perfect? What if they find out we have goals? Who cares? That's the reality of it. You know, like why I I genuinely promote those mindsets to my kids. I want my kids to be resilient. I want them to be to accept their flaws. I want them to um, understand no one's perfect. I want them to take the goals happily without it being I speak to my kids this year I've been speaking to them loads about the difference between academic goals and personal attacks you know I'm not criticizing you as a person if I'm saying you need to work on your handwriting there's a difference and Ofsted should be defining that difference as well and saying you know we come in we're going to give you some goals but it's fine because all schools have goals and it's all good we're just trying to help you improve because that's apparently what they're supposed to be doing but we should be practicing what we preach. And if we all did that, if we all got on board, unionized, whatever you want to say, um, and decide to just basically ignore them, basically have them come in. When they want a conversation, they can have a conversation. When they want to observe, they can observe. But just have them whatever. If we all did that, then they would either be forced to change or we'd all be downgraded and we just have to live with that. But at least we'd all be in the same boat together. You know, then the best school in the country would be good. And then we'd say, well, we're all good. So, you know. We're kicking it. Good times. Um, but I find that interesting. The mindsets we try and push to kids, and yet we don't put on ourselves. You know, currently, my experience is completely counter to that. We, we, the school is so about mindsets, so about, you know, taking on your goals, always wanting to improve. But our reaction to Ofsted is off the wall. It's completely counter to that. It's all about pulling the wool over their eyes, ticking boxes. If I hear that phrase one more time in this half term about ticking boxes or the big O, I don't work for the big O. I don't want to work for the big O. They are not my masters. They are here to help me be better. So allow it. Off you go, big O. But it's on them as well, isn't it? 
out, out of interest, um, if you're in the comments on the Podbean app, do you think Ofsted have created the environment in which they are threatening and they cause stress to us? Or do you think we do it to ourselves? Do you think that teachers are their own worst enemies and we kind of we bury ourselves um, with panic and trying to be perfect and trying to please other people. Is it our fault or is it Ofsted's fault? I'd love to hear some reflections on that, on who who generates the panic of Ofsted. Is it us or is it Ofsted? This is Teachers Talk Radio. It's a live and interactive platform. You might be listening to me live on your Sunday afternoon. You might be listening to it after the event, in which case I cannot respond to your comments, of course, throughout the week regularly. You can tweet me. You can tweet me at Graham Colin VO, and I'd love to hear your further thoughts on this topic. But if you are listening on Sunday afternoon, get on the Podbean app. You can call in. Tell me what you think. Where does the pressure come from? Does it come from us as teachers trying to be perfectionists and not practicing what we preach? Or does it come from Ofsted themselves? Are they deliberately creating an atmosphere of panic and threat? Khalil says, I went away from my phone. Did you read my comment out already? Yes, Khalil, I loved it. I proper got into it, Khalil. I was saying how much... I I agree that we should be ignoring Ofsted and just be doing our normal day to day. I love that you went away though, Khalil, and are now requiring me to re <laughs> recap certain points. <laughs> it's like in a staff meeting, you popped out for a cup of tea and then came in. Oh, I missed the good bit. Go over it again, Graham. <laughs> uh, no, I know you don't require it. You you know I require improvement. What can I say? Um, you're outstanding, Khalil. Was my main point was that your your approach to them is good. But then I also said with your safeguarding comment that the more responsibility you have, the more we become vulnerable to panicking with Ofsted and becoming that reactive um, kind of, uh, we got to do what Ofsted want kind of place. So I encourage you to not do that. I encourage you to just carry on doing what you're doing and take the guidance. If Ofsted have guidance, good. That's their job. They're supposed to give us guidance. But, you know, if you can be one teacher who doesn't panic and, you know, pay into the whole panicky offset reaction, then great. And that would be one better person in this um, in this institution. Institution? Educational institution? Is it an institution? I guess it is. Yeah. Um, so yes, Khalil did read it, loved it very, very much. Then I've been had a little, having a little spiel about how we talk about to kids about being resilient and take on guidance. And yet when we need to take on guidance, we all panic and lose our minds and, you know, try and act like we're perfect, even though we spend all our day saying to kids, you can't always be perfect. So my suggestion then is imagine if it was totally standard for schools to have a number of goals. If every school had goals rather than just rubbishy ones having loads of goals, the same way all my kids have goals in my class and all my you know writers and maths learners, they all have goals. Um, the worst thing we can do is say to kids publicly, you're outstanding, you require improvement, you're good, you're inadequate. We would never do that. It would destroy all learners and mindsets and progress. Um, no matter whether they're doing well or not, the same way could, calling a school outstanding is, is as unhealthy as calling a school inadequate. They're both bad for those environments. Um, so why do we not reflect that on schools? Why don't we do it? It's something to think about. Um, and just to note, by the way, I came up with that yesterday when I was going to bed. All right. I came up with that on my Saturday afternoon. Reforming Ofsted to be, be to be much better is not that difficult. If you imagine if you were bored of people for a couple of years, they could do a far better job than my little idea of having all schools have goals. But I mean, why are they not doing this? As long as I've known about Ofsted, there's been this whole grading system and judgment system and everyone's panicked about them. I remember when I was in secondary school, we had Ofsted and all the teachers lost their minds and every, the whole environment was weird for a few days. Why is that? 
Um, Sobia says, old way of doing it with local HMI inspectors. Well, funnily, that was a comment on my Twitter today. Somebody saying um, that was what went wrong. When HMI went out, apparently in 2005, um, that was when it started going wrong. So I wonder if that's, if that's it. Let me read um, a little part of an article I found today or yesterday um, about the Ofsted machine. I'm only going to read the start of it for you. It says, why Ofsted are no longer fit for purpose. Um, it doesn't say they can never be fit for purpose. It's not to say that the idea of having a board that, oh, that looks over schools is wrong, but why the current Ofsted is not fit for purpose. Purpose. Ofsted need to take a long, hard... By the way, this is from Makana Leadership website. It's a blog on the Makana Leadership website. Ofsted need to take a long, hard look at themselves. If they really do claim to be there to make sure the children and young people are getting the best education possible, then they are misguided. What our children need right now, this is talking about post-COVID UK, what they need right now are teachers and school leaders who are able to focus on their jobs so that they can help them get back to some form of normality following the worst period of school disruption in living memory. And that's not overstating it. What they don't need is for their teacher to be placed under an additional pressure right now that could so easily be avoided. And that's what I'm seeing, boots on the ground every day. It's just teachers battered, mental health, battered quality of lessons less than it would be because teachers are being used up in all these other areas it says any out this article goes on to say any outfit that still chooses to operate using essentially the same model and approach in a post-covid world as if nothing has happened has clearly not read the latest research on organizational development thankfully school leaders have and so it goes on the point is if Ofsted are not adapting to our current climate we should not be responding to that. We should not be jumping through the hoops and going, oh, please, Ofsted, like us, like us. They're supposed to be making us better, not making us panic, not just judging for the sake of judging. So, you know, we should be trying to communicate to that, them to that. Ugh, we should be trying to communicate that to them as well. Why are the effects of COVID literally ignored or somehow rather than being understood, it's turned into more pressure and more work? Schools aren't operating normally, and yet we're being judged as normal. Um, and my theory is that the COVID period has spun head teachers' confidence. I think that it's knocked them for six, and now there's this kind of leftover manic energy from them doing so much extra stuff for so long that it's now going into this kind of Ofsted panicky, you all have to do stuff, we have to tick all the boxes. That's my, that's my guess at where it's come from, because like I say, I'm seeing really great schools um, fall apart. Yeah. So I'm, I'm asking you guys, I'm put, I want to turn the tables over to you. I'm desperate to hear from you guys because I know you guys are going, you know, a group of heads together, not head teachers as in physical heads on shoulders, um, are going to have more interesting input than just me going on with my articles and opinions and theories and stuff like that. So I'd love to hear from you if you have recent Ofsted experience. If you would like to talk about the mindset that is good for an offset approach, should we be behaving just as normal? Should we be reacting differently? Should we be acting up to Ofsted or just ignoring them? My suggestion is just to ignore them. If you disagree, call in and tell me why. I know there are loads of leaders who are currently singing off the Ofsted hymn sheet. They are telling their staff to do the Ofsted thing. So please call in and justify it to me. Explain it to me because I don't get it, right? I would like to be educated. I would like to be, if you want to tell me about why we should be changing our ways to please Ofsted, please do. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I would love to hear um, the alternative points of view than just mine, which is my point of view is that if they wanted, you know, if they should be wanting the best for pupils and learners and, and schools, 
then we should be open to them telling us. Um, Catherine says she agrees with removing the grading. Good stuff. Me too. Rip down those banners outside schools. 100%. We could all have a big bonfire. Right time of year as well. I believe that safeguarding is paramount and that this needs to really be the area that has great scrutiny. I agree, actually, and I think Ofsted agree. I think that's one area we could all agree on, that safeguarding should be the kind of front runner of all of it. I expect that many teachers will have experience of working in a school which is labelled outstanding, but are aware of some examples of practice which are not necessarily helping all children. Sobia said earlier she's worked in outstanding schools that are not outstanding on a day-to-day basis. What does it even mean? We all know that those terms are so ambiguous. I would argue deliberately ambiguous because one outstanding school might be progressive and doing all new fancy things that you know other schools haven't even thought of. And another outstanding school might simply be doing the standard form of a school very, very well. And those are two completely different environments to send your kids to. Um, the term outstanding doesn't do it justice. So you know, um, my suggestion would be to get rid of them all together, as Catherine agrees, and I'm sure many of you might as well. If you think that there is good, a good merit in, in the grading system, then again, please call in and let me know because I don't see it and I would love to be told about it and told why it's better. I know it simplifies it for parents. I guess, you know, there's the, this element as well. Is when I read earlier that it was going to be a pass-fail system, but then it was changed to good, outstanding and all the rest because parents wanted that. They wanted some terms that were more helpful. I think one of the questions we have to ask, and this is a challenging one for me, is are are our main customers the kids or the parents? And should parents be determining things like that? Should they? I know that technically on paper, parents are the main customers of a school. And those are the ones who we are serving. But something doesn't sit right with me. I don't think parents should be the one determining our school choices. And we all know that, you know, any random pick of a parent could be any random pick of a person. They're going to be totally different um, to anyone else. And I don't think they all necessarily have the, you know, I don't know that I just, it's, it's off to me. I feel like the kids and the people in the schools, the heads, the leaders, those are the ones we should be listening to when it comes to schools and what matters in schools. But maybe that's ignorant of me. Um, let me know. Let me know. The lines are open, as they always are. Comments are open too. Comments are flying in, as they have been today. I'm loving the engagement today. Thank you, Sobia and Catherine. Thanks, Tom Rogers, for the like. I'd love to hear from you, buddy. I'd love to hear from you. Marina's just joined the room. Good to have you in, Marina. Um, Sobia says, parental choice, marketing, funding for school places, etc. The whole system is wrapped up together. There is that. And I think that's why the threat of Ofsted is so scary to schools. It's because so much hangs on that judgment, on that single word, which is bizarre and ridiculous and wrong, in my humble opinion. Catherine says, on the question of whose fault it is. So I was asking earlier, open to the lines of Teachers Talk Radio, do Ofsted generate the fear or do teachers generate it within themselves? Do Ofsted require perfection? Is that why we all try and make it look perfect when they come round? Or is this teachers trying to be perfectionists and creating a, a monster within their minds of what Ofsted is? And actually, it's not what Ofsted is at all. And um, let's see what Catherine says on the question of whose fault is of the Ofsted fear factor. I think it now has become an ingrained institutional fear. I agree. I think it may be a whole face change, whole system change needs to happen in order to remove it. The culture change needs to come from the DFE. Yeah, I agree with that too. I do wonder where they get their advice from on policy making. Isn't it a worry that they might just be random people sat in a room who haven't taught in years and years making stuff up based on what they think? 
because I always feel like there's that risk in with our government and with our education systems in general. Sobi says the assumption is that all leaders are equal. Hmm, interesting. Ngole, um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, requires improvement needs to be kept as a flag, but outstanding is such an arbitrary standard, as will be shown by the numbers of them dropping to RI next year. Oh, that anticipation of outstanding schools moving to RI or moving down in any sense bothers me greatly, Ngole. Um, it, I don't know how anyone can make that judgment, as Amanda Spielman obviously did recently. She's come out and said, oh, the, you know, more than half are going to be downgraded. She has no idea what she's going to be walking into. It says to me, that she's deciding what she's going to see before she's seen it. And that, again, comes down to that root problem of Ofsted, is that we have people making judgments and decisions about schools before actually doing it. And you always feel that when you have an Ofsted visit. They decide what your judgment's going to be as soon as they walk in the door. And changing that is very tricky. The same way, I think, if you have a rubbish observation ob observer in a lesson, um, they decide what your lesson's going to be before they come in. And it's very hard to shift that thinking. Khalil says, I remember when I found out that Ofsted don't have a marking policy or expectation, but what they do is check whether staff are following whatever policy the school decided for itself. Again, there's that idea that we're burying ourselves. The schools are burying themselves. Um, so yeah, I think that's possible. Thing is, I've only had a single, I had a few Ofsted experiences, but the only one that really affected me on the ground as a teacher was um, was many, many years ago. But the the thing I took away from it was that the inspectors and the process was far more positive than anybody thought it would have been. They really wanted to see that the kids were learning well and that the kids were happy. And they really wanted the learning to be good quality. And, you know, funnily enough, the thing is, I can reflect on that positively because we did get the outstanding badge. And so all the other bits then can fall into place if they had been the same inspectors and the same lovely way about them. But they gave us requires improvement. Well, maybe I'd have a different opinion. But um, I, it did make me think that maybe if, they, if, they, if the majority of their inspectors are like those ones that I had. And if the mindset behind the inspector seems to be the mindset that I saw with those inspectors. It was just people wanting schools to be better. Um, but why doesn't it come across like that? Why isn't there more energy? Because you know in the papers we had, was it Michael Wishel was the old guy and now it's Amanda Spielman? And they really went for the headlines. They regularly went for the headlines. They're sensationalists. They were always going, like this recent one of Amanda Spielman saying, oh, she's going to downgrade half the school, more than half the outstanding schools. Like that's not helpful. All that does is make outstanding schools panic and they know it. And so I would then say that is evidence that the fear factor is generated by Ofsted. Boom. Sobi is bringing out the, the relevant point of mental health. You know, currently I've been talking about my own kind of borough, school environment, all kind of getting into this Ofsted panic. Everyone's getting worked up and everyone's making decisions. You know, decisions that used to be made really carefully when, our, when my school was at its peak and leaders are at their peak. Um, when we'd have a new idea in place or a new system of learning or a new, um, what do you call it, midterm plan for a subject how would do is they trial it in one or two year groups for a for a term and then for the rest of for the next term they try to cross a few more and then at the end of the year they pull us all together and be like this is what we're doing next year here's what we know and we'd all share kind of ideas now is we get a one hour staff meeting on a monday and bosh you've learned this new system do it we're checking on it in three weeks 
that's the change. That's the change of quality. And that's also the change on the impact on teachers because teachers feel a lot more overwhelmed, a lot more the feeling of drowning and having no clue where you're oriented is much more common. A general mental health and happiness within a school. The morale is in a ditch. It's in a ditch. I know so many amazing teachers who've just been positive, wonderful, energized teachers over the last 10, 11 years. Um, and they are, we are unanimously, myself included, um, just, you know, well-being is, is, is not being looked after. And um, so Sobi says, rise in standards for academic ability, but what about mental and emotional health? I think the trauma in brackets, I think that's absolutely right to include that, by the way, Sobia. And, um, and I think this is the, what we're seeing right now. It's what I'm seeing. I can only speak from my own experience. But um, yeah, things that, things that are not good on the ground of people, schools that are kind of reacting to Ofsted and making decisions based on what Ofsted wants. I don't think Ofsted want that. I think Ofsted want you to make your own decisions for learners, for the benefit of your environment. They will come in and they will judge. But you need everyone on board. You need your leaders on board with that. As soon as leaders start panicking and talking about the big O and talking about ticking boxes, for me, it's a write-off. It's a write-off. Um, Sobia says ideology comes into play as well, making them relevant in this day and age. Our pay has risen to fit in line with expectations and standards or status or hasn't risen. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would love love that to be the case. Whack my pay up, please. But no, we're, we, we've had a, a kind of real terms pay cut, haven't we? Because as the um, GDP has risen, ours has not risen in kind. So there we are. Should it just be canned? I'll ask that one now. Um, to all you wonderful listeners in the room, should Ofsted just be canned? Are you? Do you just think it should just be done away with? And if so, I'm talking to you, Tom Rogers, you know I am. What's the alternative? What do we do in its place? What do we do in its place? Um, we are an hour into the Sunday brunch. It's five past 12 on Sunday, the 7th of November. I hope you've had a wonderful fireworky season. Happy Diwali for anybody who's celebrating Diwali. Um, and I hope you're enjoying your kind of mid-autumn time. The clocks have all gone back. We're into the wintry times. Evenings are darker, which is a bit sad. I hope you're having a good time, people. Sobi says there, there's a role for it, but it needs looking at. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'd love to hear some some suggestions on how it could be improved. I have my own. I said a little bit of them already. We're going to have a, a news break. Then we're going to have an ad break. And then we're going to come back to the final run of the show where we're going to talk about solutions and alternatives or whether we should just can offstead all together and be done with it. Here's your news. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio. Anybody hearing me right now, or is this just gone? Khalil has a laughy face. Sobe says, yes, you can hear me. Did the news stop? Did the news come on? What happened? It was weird. I had my little symbols. Okay, you can hear me. Right, great. So Seema can hear me very nice. Did you hear? Was I talking over the news or did it just decide? Computer says no. Two clips playing together. Oh, okay. You can hear me mumbling. Okay, so for some reason, I'm not hearing it, but it was playing. Right. I'm going to play the news then. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to have to judge when it's finished. All right. All right, all right guys. <laughs> Here comes your news. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
In a Teachers Talk Radio News special, we focus on a report in the Guardian newspaper where two Ofsted inspectors voiced their fears for vulnerable children being educated in unregulated facilities. According to a report in the Guardian newspaper, some vulnerable children, excluded from mainstream schooling, are being educated in unregulated and illegal schools, some based in caravans on farmland and on industrial estates and business parks. Ofsted inspectors have reported to The Guardian in an attempt to lift the lid on a murky world. Victor Shafi'i and Sue Will, who focus on unregistered and illegal schools, brought to the inspectorate's attention through referrals from a worried parent or local authority, say alternative provision for children who cannot be accommodated in mainstream education is complex and growing. For most children who are struggling in mainstream schools, there are high-quality state-funded pupil referral units and good independent alternative provision, which is registered and monitored by Ofsted, and these can offer a good short-term fix. But because of a shortage of places in this provision, there is also a growing unregistered sector, which is what concerns Ofsted. If an AP offers part-time provision, it is not required to register and so will not be inspected by Ofsted. It only becomes illegal if it is not registered and is offering full-time or almost full-time education. The report considers that the landscape becomes even murkier when children who have been excluded are referred to oversubscribed pupil referral units. They may then be subcontracted to an unregistered setting. And it can mean that troubled and challenging children, some of whom the report states are as young as five, are being sent to schools in unsuitable accommodation with unqualified staff and may be receiving little in the way of education. Shafi, Ofsted's Deputy Director of Unregistered and Independent Schools, states, The big question for me is, what's happened out there? Have children suddenly become worse behaved? What is it that's fundamentally changed that means more children are going to APs and primary kids are increasingly going to APs? Because this area is so obscure, we just don't know. Sue Will is one of a small team of Ofsted inspectors who since 2016 have been going out to unregistered and illegal settings across the country. I've been to settings in caravans on farmland, we've been to grubby halls, another favourite is on industrial estates, she said. We've started to identify more primary children at these settings in the last 18 months, but that's not to say they weren't there before. We're really working in the dark here. There's no regulation, there's no requirement for paperwork, it really is the unknown. In a follow-up opinion piece by Amanda Spielman, those most likely to be harmed are being sent to places with the least oversight, It's vital all alternative provision is registered, she says. Every child, regardless of their background, deserves a good education and the chance to reach their full potential. But some children, often the most vulnerable, just don't get that chance. She goes on to state that whilst the government does not collect specific data, it seems a likely estimate, based on the Department for Education's own statistics for England, that the number of children in alternative provision has risen by 14% over the last four years to more than 45,000. And with the detrimental impact that Covid and lockdown have had on many young people, she feels that we may well see a further rise this year. In light of the increase in the data, Amanda Spielman states that she's commissioned new research to better understand the role that alternative provision plays in the education system, and to find out why primary age pupils, some as young as five, are being referred to alternative provision in the first place. She acknowledges that the scale and diversity in the sector means oversight arrangements can be complicated and that the quality of education can vary greatly.
The article goes on to point out that the law says that if an AP provider operates full-time, it must be registered with the Department for Education and be inspected by Ofsted. Otherwise, it is an illegal school. But acknowledges that unregistered provision gets no comparable, consistent scrutiny. And for the past 10 years, the Ofsted has been calling for mandatory registration of all alternative provision, no matter how many hours they are open or how many children attend. She believes that without this, there is little assurance that their pupils are getting a good full-time education. Finally, the article goes on to acknowledge that no child deserves to be left to languish and fail, that schools need consistently good alternative provision that helps re-engage these children in education. Spielman concludes with the comment that children deserve no less. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News. Fair play to um, to Gail, our newsreader. That was a that was a hefty lot of news there. Plus, Offset themed. So sorry, people. You know, on my first show, I promised that we would not um, that we would not be talking Offset on the Sunday brunch. But this is the Offset problem, people. It's about looking after our mental health. So I'm letting myself off. Um, all right, adverts next, people. A word from our sponsors. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more, and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. I'm just playing this bit to transition. I can't hear it. I hear my lovely music. Can you guys even hear me? A mumbler over some film music. Classic tune though. Love that tune. Um, Anyway, know what movie that's from? Always put that one out there. Always put that one out there. What movie is it from, people? It's a classic. It's a comedy classic. Um, No takers. No takers. I am sat here in silence, Khalil. I'm sorry to say. I have no idea the the, the audio joys you're all experiencing on those ones. Well, I do have an idea because I know what they sound like. But um, yeah, weirdly just went. But hey. It's for the listeners. I'm glad if you guys are hearing it, I'm happy for you. I can I can live in happiness for you guys. Um, yes, I I would usually do the whole yeah live from London thing, but um, I'm I'm not going to do that right now because I won't know when the gap is. Should I could try and time it? I should try and time it. That one could be good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do it. This is it. An audio challenge for me. Let's try and do it live from London. I've got to try and judge my, the sound in my head. Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. Is this about when I should be talking? Hello? <laughs> no? <laughs> um, we're talking about Ofsted today. I'm stopping it. This is weird. Very, very odd. I feel totally disoriented without my sound effects. But anyway, did I nail it? Did I? Seema says I nailed it. When I listen back to this, I bet I'm going to be way off and Seema's just winding me up. Anyway, anyway, good to get on a bit of a light-hearted note. We had a good, solid hour rant there on on the Ofsted problem. Um, and I must say, I, you know, 
I think there's a lot of things we need to talk, talk about solutions. We need to talk about how we as teachers can solve it for ourselves, especially. And I think this is the biggest challenge we're always going to face. It's when our managers are are buying into the Ofsted machine, when they're buying into the panic and the, you know, when changes are happening in our school that are not for the benefit of learners, direct impact on learners and learning and you know, and even on staff mental health, when that's no longer being considered because we need to please what the big O are saying, we need to tick boxes. Um, how do you, how do we do that? I think we've got to, you know, do the things that we would usually do, of course, keep our own standard job on top-notch form. Um, but I think that there comes an element where you have to either, I don't know, you know what, I ask you guys, I put that out to you guys. Do you go rogue? And go by your own set of standards, even if that goes against your leaders, or do you have to go right? This is the school I've chosen to work in. I guess this is the truth of it. Maybe is that you have to go. This is the school I work in, and therefore, I've it's kind of signed up to follow these leaders. And if these leaders are going that way, then I need to get on board with that or change school. And I think that's probably the um, the reality of it. I just, it's the threateningness though. It's the way it's so threatening currently. And does that come from us or does it come from Ofsted itself? Let's have a little look. Um, here's, here's something I jotted down. If we want a sustainable, true, healthy system, we need to look at making major adjustments to the current model. I'm seeing leaders who I thought were once the best, dignified to the hilt, unbreakable, um, just becoming drones of Ofsted say this, do this, do that. When new ideas and programs used to be trialed and then gradually rolled out with care across year groups, they're now given a one-hour staff meeting followed by reminders of how and when it will be checked on. Um, for me, that's a recipe for disaster. And for ironically, and this is the root of it for me, really, it's contrary to what Ofsted want. They want good quality education, happy, comfortable learners, carefully judged developments and healthy teachers physically and mentally. But a lot of us are not doing that in their name. A lot of us are going against those outcomes in the name of, of Ofsted. I guess there's also the element of speaking to your own leaders. If you feel like like I sometimes feel in, in the current environment, when I say current environment, I can talk about borough, um, you know, to school to some degree. Um, there's a lot of environments we're in as teachers, other schools as well, fellow teachers in, a, in different contexts. Um, maybe speak to leadership, maybe talk about the changes that are in place. I'm aware that some colleagues of mine, you know, have spoken to leadership and said, I, you know, I'm not handling this well. But it's odd how fast it changes. It's odd how fast these things can change. Um, you know, I ask you guys, what's your opinions? Do you have solutions? Um, do you have recent experience of Ofsted? If you do, I'd love to hear from you. Call in. This is a live and interactive platform on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions, although I'm slightly nervous of whether I'd actually hear your voice at this point because I can't hear any other sound um, apart from my mic speaking back to me. Who knows? Who knows? Um, speak to me, people. Speak to me. What's your What's your thoughts on it? Let me check a few um, last notes from some people. It's from some points online, um, and see what some different people think. Here's um, Amanda Spielman. Recently, I've said a couple of times in the show, has recently said that she expects half. Amanda Spielman is the lead of Ofsted. She's the head Ofsted person. She said she expects half of outstanding schools that are reinspected to be downgraded now that the ex exemption has gone and the proportion rated grade one to return to 2010 levels. And then one of the comments on there, which I really agree with, let me find it on here, hold on. It was about leaders in their schools. Now it's all it's become lost amongst other comments. Um, you know, poor leaders in schools who will observe you and say the observation did not go well, 
and then they'll put in some help to make it go better. And then what do you know, next time you get observed, brilliant, you did everything wonderfully. Wasn't I a good leader? Wasn't I a wonderful mentor? Does it reek a bit of that? Amanda saying she's going to be downgrading all these schools. And then what then the step up is going to be another kind of pointless label on them saying we've upgraded all these schools, schools in Britain have become this much better. Thanks to Ofsted. It's a joke, isn't it? The motivations are all over the place. Who's what's motivating what who who's doing their job for the actual purpose of the job and who's doing things that are essentially, you know, the intention of Ofsted, that whole threat as well, outstanding schools being downgraded. Where does that leave you as an, as an outstanding school? It just pulls the rug out from under you. And maybe that's what I'm experiencing in some of my own environments. Um, people, you know, that have been confident, having the rug pulled out from under them. And now um, and now they're all panicking because there's this threat of being downgraded. It is a threat, isn't it? It is a threat from Amanda Spielman. Um, what are your thoughts, people? Paula is in from Chile. Thanks. Good to hear from you, Paula. Um, do you have thoughts on Ofsted? Or maybe you have your own examining body. Paula, feel free to call in. Um, let's see. So Nigel dropped a comment earlier. Nigel, I'd love to hear from you. You seem like you might have had something to say. Um, let me read this out. He says, the SLT and government governance response to a bad Ofsted is always to produce a not an action plan. I don't see the alternative to that response. It is always going to be reactive. At the next inspection, SLT would be crazy to ignore the areas where Ofsted had said they were weakest. Well, I agree with that in that... Um, People react to Ofsted's advice, and that's right. That is the point of Ofsted, is they're supposed to give us advice to be better. But it's that term, the bad Ofsted, bothers me when we talk about having a bad Ofsted. I think that kind of language, it can't go at the moment because they are using that kind of language with terms like outstanding and requires improvement and inadequate. But I think it should go. I think all Ofsteds should be uniform and there should be no judgment that comes away from it. And all schools should have an action plan following an Ofsted. We should always come away from Ofsted saying, right, we have these goals now clearly lined up to us thanks to Ofsted. You know, that's what they should be doing. They should be helping us to spot our goals. You know, we're in the mess of teaching. We have all the contextual things around us. We might not see some of the things that are right in front of our face. Ofsted swoop in. They help us identify our areas to improve. Thanks very much, Ofsted. Every single school needs that help. Off you go. Um, rather than, oh, it was a bad Ofsted. Therefore, now we'll react because it was bad. Um, you know, it shouldn't be good or bad. All Ofsteds should come away. You should come away with goals and that's it. Um, hola um, or hola. Uh, oh, no, I'm mispronouncing. I'm embarrassing myself. Halcyon says probe. Thanks, Halcyon, um, for that interesting comment. Please elaborate further if you wish. So, yeah, Nigel, I'm, I'm asking you about what you think, um, whether there should be bad and good Ofsteds um, and whether SLT should react differently to those or whether all SLTs following an Ofsted should have goals and, um, and build on that further. We have a few minutes left on here, but I have to say I'm feeling really weird with the silence in the studio. So I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm, you know, I'm, I might wrap up a little bit earlier. Um, because I, I just feel like, I don't know why, I feel slow, slightly, um, un, I don't know, unhinged, unhinged, unsupported. I don't know what, what the problem is. Um, but this is your last chance to call in. You could finish on your note. In fact, I have a finishing note for the episode. But um, if you want to call in and drop your thoughts, Catherine, you've been in throughout the show. Thank you for your awesome comments. Perhaps you have some experience or thoughts you would like to drop in. Hit that round grey icon on the Podbean app and you can call in and let me know. Nigel as well, you had some points about... Um, 
how bad Ofsteads might be reacted to. What do you think about my thoughts that all Ofsteads should be reacted to in the exact same way, um, not one more than another? Tim's in the room. Good to see you, Tim. I know that you're in a unique setting. I wonder if you have thoughts on Ofsted given your unique setting and experience. Sobi's in, Khalil's in, and Alan Tsui is in. Good to have you all in the room. Lovely. Um, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking about wrapping up, guys. I have a final note, and this is really is it's is not just a twee final note to leave you with. It really is part of my kind of belief system. Also alluded to something um that Khalil said earlier about his experience with Ofsted. Um, there was a tweet from someone called David Nautilus, and he said he framed the Amanda Spielman quote about downgrading Ofsteads. He retweeted that. I said, if you are being inspected, please try and remind yourself that this is just a job. And honestly, never a truer word spoken, I, I think, from that is that it is a job. And, you know, if you were to disappear off the face of the planet tomorrow, they'd have somebody else in your class teaching your kids by the end of the week. OK, this is, it is not your life. It is not your meaning. It is simply a part of your life. It accentuates your life. It should boost you and help you become a clearer about yourself and a better version of yourself. If it is doing anything other than that, we probably need to look about stepping away, rebalancing ourselves, having a word with ourselves, you know? Um, Catherine says, comments you made remind me of advice for feeding back to parents at parents' evening should be no surprises. Good leaders will be able to lead continuously and inspection should be less about league tables and more about sharing good practice professionally. I honestly think if we only listened to ourselves with those kind of comments, like we have exactly that, that language about no surprises at parents' evening in, in my own setting. If we only listen to that kind of language and the fact that we all have goals and that we want to put the learning first and all that stuff. We know it's true. We know it's right. We should have confidence in ourselves to carry that through Ofsted inspections. Trust in ourselves. What are we so scared about them finding out? That's what I ask you. What are we so scared about them finding out that we're not perfect? Well, you know, surprise, surprise. Graham Collum isn't perfect. You know, I've established myself on a part of this show called Graham Shame, um, which actually I haven't done today. And now I wouldn't feel comfortable doing because I can't hear the intro. So um, yeah, you know, I know I'm not perfect. You know, go go figure. Um, I, I would love it if we could if we could knock down those walls amongst ourselves as professionals as much as we try to with the kids. And also, what are our kids going to make of this? If they see teachers reacting to Ofsted in the way that many of us are reacting by panicking and changing things and trying to come across perfect, that's going to affect them far more than us being in a classroom telling them, oh, you know, be get used to your areas to improve and no one's perfect and, you know, falling helps us to stand up. All of that stuff, it doesn't mean anything if we don't stand by it, if we don't live it. So live it, people. Um, and like I said, final note, David Nautilus, if you are being inspected, please try and remind yourself that this is just a job. All right, guys, that's it from me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Catherine, for your wonderful comments. Thank you, Nigel, and for your lovely input as well. Tim, always a pleasure to have you in the room. Alan Tsui, I've wondered if you were going to say anything. You have not. You are a mysterious um, assist to the show. Sobia and Khalil, always love to have you in. Looking forward to hearing your wonderful voice later, Khalil. He is on after me, by the way, listeners. At 1pm, you'll be hearing Khalil live. Um, and Seema as well. Thank you for being in the room. Freya, Tom, 
all wonderful listeners. A pleasure to have you in the room. Let's see who had this. Tom Hopkins Burke, the 30-year-old teacher. Great to have you in too. Halcyon with your random probe comment. I appreciate you. Sure I do. Ashish and Paula, I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Um, enjoy your Sundays. Enjoy your weeks. And enjoy your lovely, lovely lives. Happy Sunday, people. That's out from me, Graham Collum, on Teachers Talk Radio. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. too ranty today sorry guys i just had to get out of my system had to get out of my system i hope um i hope you guys are on board and you enjoyed screaming into the void with me all right i really am going now bye